and you're listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. So um, we started a series and over the next few months we're going to be talking about the Sermon on the Mount. We're calling it the Summer on the Mount. And one of the things I really want to anchor us into as a community were the words of Jesus in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. I believe they are some of the most important pivotal scriptures for us to know as followers of Jesus that we could ever study, we could ever open our lives up to. And I believe that Jesus, how many of you know the kingdom has a culture? We talked about this the first week. The kingdom of God has a culture and the culture has a way about it. Like the culture has a way that it is expressed, that it is received. And the invitation for us as believers, if you're in this room, I'm, 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 I'm hoping you're a believer, a follower. I want you to know that the kingdom of heaven is utterly different than the kingdom of the world. It's just different. There are things that God invites us into that it doesn't make sense. It's not logical. Yet for some reason, when we give our hearts to it, he does something with it. And I don't know about you, but what I want for me is I want to live my life according to his culture, his standards. His way of life. Because I believe that is the way that we are able to step into John 10.10. He says, the enemy came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I, being Jesus, have come to give you life. And to give you life in what? Abundance. In overflow. More. And I believe that the way to access that more of God, the way for us to step into that, is for us to come into alignment with His kingdom. And make no mistake, the Bible is clear, you cannot serve two masters. You can't have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. It's not the way it works. You can play church. You can go through the motions. But there's just something different about a person who is fully given to him. You can see it. You can feel it. When they speak, something's different about them. When they go through adversity, through trials, there's something different about the way they walk. About the way they talk. And I feel like today, I want to talk about... Just a few of those beatitudes that I feel like, God, there's a grace today for us to give our hearts to this, for Him to release something in us that we can never produce ourselves. There are some parts about the kingdom and about following Jesus that cannot be produced by you. Say, it can't happen. It can't happen. There's nothing you can do. Just like there was nothing you can do to save yourself, there's nothing you can do to make yourself poor in spirit. There's nothing you can do to check, to step into true spiritual mourning. Hunger and thirst, for no matter how hard you try, can only truly be produced by Him. Outside of Him, it becomes striving. It becomes religion. Are you awake? We're going to ask the Lord for this today, but we're going to give context for what this means. Because we've been in church, many of you, for many times, and we talk a lot about poverty, poorness of spirit, but we've got to answer the question, what does that mean? What does it mean for us to truly walk in poorness of spirit? So I want to read to you the scripture again, and I want to open us back to Matthew 5. And I want you to open up your Bibles, your phones, whatever you have, and I want you to see it. Because I want, I want us, I want this to be written in our hearts. David said this, your word I have what? Your word I have written in my heart. Why did he write the word in his heart? So that I may not sin against you. There was something about the word of the Lord in his heart that caused him from stumbling. Say amen. Amen. We need this. We need this. We need this more than a moment. We need this more than a song. We need the word of the Lord. So Jesus was up on a mountain and he began speaking. And he began teaching them. And he said this, blessed are the poor in spirit. 
the devoid, those that are devoid of spiritual arrogance, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It may say a couple of different things. Then it says, blessed are those who mourn. Why do they mourn? If you read the Amplified translation, it says, blessed are those who mourn over their sins and they repent, for they will be comforted when the burden of sin is lifted. Meaning you're not just going to be comforted because you're aware of your sin. You're going to be comforted when you're delivered of your sin. Which means he has given us the ability to be delivered from that thing. From pornography, from jealousy, from gossip, from envy. From, there is a grace to be delivered. I know you don't want to hear it because we've been told that we're going to struggle for the rest of our life. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he said, for freedom's sake you have been set free. Not for the sake of struggling through. For freedom's sake you have been set free. To be able to walk in freedom. Another, another, another portion of this says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. For me, these three things are tied together. I believe that it starts with a poorness of spirit. It starts with a people who realize we are utterly dependent on God. Without God, let's just make it plain. For as awesome as the world tells you, and I believe you are awesome, but I believe the most awesome version of you is one that is utterly dependent upon Him. Is one that is aware that without Him, we have nothing. We are, we are, I want to say a word, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. I was going to say destitute, but some of you are going to be like, that's too much, bro. But I just, I feel that. I feel like, I feel like we've gone everywhere we can go. And all roads have left us back to the place of God, we need you. For every time I turn on the news and I see the next thing that has happened, and it's scary. You realize that we have gotten to the place as a nation where we are used to seeing mass killings in, on the news. We've become numb to it. Think about this. A guy walks into a school, kills 15 people, we don't blink an eye, we're eating cereal. It doesn't burden us because it has become our, nor our normal. And in the midst of that, we're like, what, what gun laws and what this and what that can we do to produce something that can bring us back? There's no solution except a people who are dependent utterly on God. It's not a political statement. It's the truth. It's saying that God, it's like he's cornering us and he will say, will you let me be God again? When the Bible says the lamb will receive the reward for his suffering, it wasn't an hour on a Sunday and a good TED talk. It was a people who are consumed by the Spirit of God, who they are beating with his heartbeat. They are hurting for what hurts him, and they have been delivered from the spirit of the age. We were praying, and they were talking about us praying against a principality and against demons and spiritual powers. How many of you know that this region has principalities? Every region has principalities and spiritual powers. And God is looking for people that would push back, and that's you. It's you. It's not 10 steps to live a better life. It's how do we push back violence, and we take the kingdom by force. That's what we're after. And if I'm being honest, when we're talking about the, the spirit over Tampa, and we come into rooms like this, for me it's the Laodicean spirit. It's this voice that says, we are rich and we're in need of nothing. 
it's, it's, we're contending for the prostitutes on Nebraska, on Nebraska, and you're thinking, what does that have to do with me? What does that have to do with my life? And the people like that are the quickest people to, the Bible says this, repent, turn, and come back to me. Which means at some point in the journey, they went their own way. I know you don't want to hear that. Like, man, I've been to church since 1977. That's beautiful, and I love that, except the Bible doesn't say you are saved by church attendance. It doesn't say once you get X amount of tallies, if you hit a certain percentage on a Sunday, then you will be welcomed into the kingdom. I want to tell you what God's looking for. It's clear in Isaiah 66. He says this, but to this one I will look, which means he's looking for a people. It says, to this one I will look graciously. This is Isaiah 66, verse 2. To him who is humble, say humble. 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 To him who has a contrite spirit and who reverently trembles at my word and honors my command. He is looking for a people who walk in humility. Humility begins when you stop thinking that you are really, really, really awesome. There's this thing about us that builds us up and it builds us up and it builds us up where we genuinely think we got this. So we'll set up blocks of time and we'll strategize and we'll throw money at it and we'll think because we did that, now revival will come. For some of us, we come into these rooms and we sing songs like Spirit Break Out and it's hard for us to even sing those songs. Spirit break out, tear our walls down, because we're very, very, very comfortable within our stronghold. We've built fortifications and thought patterns that protect us and they insulate us from the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And so we're not jealous. We're not zealous for the right things. It's it's not a lack of zeal. (laughs) I just watched a lightning game yesterday. We don't lack zeal. Zeal's not the problem. Passion's not the problem. It's misappropriated zeal and passion that numbs us to the things that are supposed to really make us hungry. (laughs) Very little amens. (laughs) Like, God, I need passion. Give me zeal. I want to feel. And then we get into certain environments and it's welling up within us. It's there. It's just, it's mismanaged. It's misdirected. So you've met people, man, we've all been there. There have been seasons in our life where we hadn't felt hungry in a long time. And it wasn't because we were eating the right things. You could eat the wrong things and not feel hungry, but your body's not receiving what it needs. There can be this disconnection. We're like, well, I'm not hungry. I'm fine. Yet you're feeding yourself in the physical all the wrong things. How many of you know there is a fruit of that labor? And the same thing in the spirit. When we feed ourselves the wrong things, are you with me? I know it just doesn't feel good, but I just feel like it's necessary. Man, I was in a conference, and I was listening to a couple of the guys speak. They've been serving the Lord for like 20-something years. And they're reading, you know, the scriptures, and they're crying. And I'm like, God, I want that. Like, I don't just want to read your scriptures, and they just be words on a page. 
I want to be gripped. I want something to grip me. If I could be watching a movie made by Disney and tears will open my eyes. You know, it's like, what is, what is happening? You know, you're just holding your nose. If, if, if a man can do that to me, how can I read the scriptures and not be gripped? Not you, I'm talking about Geo. I don't want to be so familiar with a God who is above and beyond. There's a disconnect where everything that surrounds him is crying out holy and is gripped, yet I can frivolously come into his presence and say, here I am, God, now you do what you got to do to me. But God is looking for a people to give his kingdom to, and the people are called poor in spirit. They are keenly aware of their need for God. They are desperate. There's something in them that says, God, I need you. Which is why the second would say, blessed are those who mourn. And they're not just mourning because of their sin. This desperation, this point of spirit, it produces in them an ache. Like nothing in this world will ever satisfy. It will not satisfy the ache on the inside for me to be with God. There's nothing. There's no amount of money. There's no ministry. There's nothing that will satisfy the ache. I want to be with my bridegroom. And you're you're seeing it like that's weird. What's wrong with us? What in the world is... What in this world in the here and now can be greater than the God who sent his son to free you from that thing? Like, what happened to us? I remember when I first got saved, and and I made a decision. If I was going to go that hard for the world, I'm going to go harder for God. And well-meaning Christians said, hey, take it easy, because one day that passion just kind of wanes. And there was a decision that had to be made. I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to keep contending. I'm going to keep screaming. I'm going to keep sweating. I'm going to keep believing. And I don't care how people look at me. I don't care how they receive me. Because I have to stand in front of him one day. And my my excuse cannot be, I just couldn't find a church that was on fire. It can't be that. It's a poorness of spirit. It's an aching on the inside. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. You will be comforted because he's coming back. Some of us don't really believe he's coming back. We think this is a game. He is coming back. And he will judge sin. (laughs) I don't want to hear it. He will judge sin. That thing that you do at 11 o'clock when your wife's asleep, he will judge it. And so that's what the Bible says. Today is the day of salvation. Turn. Because the Holy Spirit is zealously pursuing us saying, Don't go that way. Let me love you back to life. Don't, it doesn't satisfy. If you were to be honest with yourself, it doesn't satisfy. Get back to my notes. I felt this thing about God rearranging the furniture of our hearts and depositing new seeds. But many of you know before before there's something built on a land, the land has to be settled. And for a land to be settled, many times there's a disruption in the land. 
There's an uprooting, there's a pushing aside, there's a pushing back, there's a redigging, there's a settling of the land. And I feel like even, even last Sunday, that's what the Lord was doing for us. Many walked away like, well, we gathered, but when did the moment happen? The moment happened when we made a decision to step into the moment. It was a resettling of the land. And for many of us right now, it's what God's doing. It's this holding pattern where you feel frustrated. There's a friction. How many of you understand what I'm saying? There's a friction. Like, this is uncomfortable, God. I, I have promise. I have all of these things. But what God is doing in the season is he's, he's, he's whittling us down to only him. So that when that's received, there could be a proper stewardship of that thing. And I may be speaking to three people. That's okay. But I'm telling you, it's what he's doing. It's what he's doing. Blessed are those who hunger and who thirst for righteousness. There's something on the inside that is drawing them. How many of you ever seen like a person who's really hungry? Not like you are right now. Like I'm, I'm like hungry right now. Um, like, like true hunger, you can see it. True hunger doesn't decide. Like some of you are going to leave. Like I'm hungry. Where do you want to go? You want to go here? No, I don't want that. True hunger doesn't do that. True hunger loses options. Whatever is in front of me. Why? Because I'm desperate. You see how it's a train? That desperation has caused me to, whichever way you're going to go, I'm going that way. It's the woman with the issue of blood who's in a crowd and she has tried everything that she can do to be whole. Yet she hears word about Jesus and she pushes through. She touches Jesus, she receives wholeness, and Jesus goes, who touched me? Who touched me? And the disciples are like, bro, there's like hundreds of people. You see, like, who, but Jesus knew there were people who touched him, and then there was someone who like touched him. There was a withdrawal. There was something that was pulled. That's what we were trying to do at the end of service today. It's this desperation, like, God, I know there are hundreds of people worshiping right now all over Tampa, but will you turn your eye this way? Will you turn your eye this way? Will you pour out your spirit? Will you make us desperate? I feel like it's, it's legal to ask him for this. I feel like we don't have it because we've stopped asking. We've stopped asking him to make us desperate. We've stopped, we've stopped crying. We tried it 20 years ago. It didn't play out the way we thought it was going to play out. So we thought, well, I'll be faithful to come to church, but I'm not going that way again. But what if today, what if today is the day where the Spirit of God would pick you up and fill you again with His zeal? Where you would tremble at His word. Where you would feel the Spirit of God drawing you at the late hours of the night, early in the morning, saying, will you be with me? You see, if I told you right now, God wants to meet you in the morning, and He wants to meet you at 6 a.m., and He wants to make much of your life, you would wake up. Because we're conditioned in this way. Do what's best for you. Build your own kingdom. But what if there was a people, what if there was a people that they just wanted to be with Him? What if, what if our kids grew up in environments where they saw us broken before the Lord? It wasn't the passion, it wasn't even the worship, all of that's good, but what if they saw us saying, God, I need you more? 
Like, man, you should see Gio, man. Gio's passion and he cries. And No, you. You. What if they saw you whenever that crazy situation was happening in your home? You would say, I'm going to believe God. I'm going to believe God. I'm opening up my word and I'm going to stand on that thing. Some of you, I wonder like, well, I don't know what to do. What do you stand? That's why we read the word. We stand on his word. You're being tossed to and fro because you don't know the word. You, haven't, you think it's a religious thing. You think it's like, oh, well, well if, read more. God. I can't do that. It's life. So Jesus declared in John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go, go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. I'm going to say it again. Hunger and thirst, they look like something. God has made us all unique in all our own ways, yet when you look around, there's a whole lot of sameness. Whoever's the next trending person on Instagram, whoever's got the next prophetic word, whoever's got X, Y, Z, you pick your camp. And yet, the Spirit of God is jealous for you. Jealous for you. And I really do believe. To be honest, I really don't care what you believe. I really do believe that God is going to pour out His Spirit on our region. There were things that happened last Sunday that spiritual fathers of mine said that could never happen, yet it happened. There's something about a people who refuse to let go. There's something about a people who they allow God to break them and build them back up. Who they'll continue to push and contend because they know it's not them, it's Him. May the Lamb receive the reward for His suffering. They're gripped by that. They're moved by that. They've given their lives to this. They'll live their, they'll work their jobs. They'll do their thing. But it's all unto Him. Yes. So, in the context of being hungry, it's interesting because one of the most dangerous places to be when you're hungry is when you reach the point where you no longer feel hungry. It's like if you've not eaten, some of you, like, I've gone an extended fast. In the beginning, you feel hungry, and you start dreaming about cheeseburgers. You're like, you're having prophetic <laughs> dreams about Chick-fil-A. They're just coming in. It's just divine downloads. But then there's a point, even when you're not fasting, when you come out of that, and your body's no longer aware with what's really happening. Even in the context of dehydration, it's interesting. When somebody becomes dehydrated, one of the first things that goes is their sight. It's, it's, it's like a blackout. And so we come into these rooms and sometimes the Spirit of God is moving and it's hovering, but we're so spiritually dry we can't see. We're contending, we're pushing. There's just enough things in the room to give you goosebumps that you're not keenly feeling what's happening on the inside. You used to worship, and there used to be this refreshment. There used to be this thing on the inside that drew you, yet now you're trying to do your own dance. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. You're trying. You're like, yeah, 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 but it's like, it's not the same. It's quiet. It's not the same. I'm telling you this because I've been there. 
2013, I was one of the lowest places in my life. I shared this weeks ago. I had done things that I told God I would never do. And they kept telling me, you got to keep pushing. you got to keep pushing. you got to keep pushing. And I remember thinking, what am I pushing for? I preached more sermons on walking in the wilderness than I would. I deleted them all. Can't preach another sermon on walking through the wilderness. And finally, I went into my pastor's office and I said, I can't preach another message on hope without feeling hope. And for some of us, this has been the hamster wheel that we've been on for years and years. You go from church to church, from conference to conference, from YouTube video to YouTube video, from shaking to shaking. And yet at the end of all of that, what God is trying to produce in you is a complete dependency upon him. It's this fortitude that said, I will not relent. I will not relent. I will not relent until the cry of my heart is, where is my beloved? Where's my beloved? You think just because we gather in the room that he's going to come? I don't think so. If people gathering in rooms attracted the Spirit of God, when I was watching a movie last Thursday, he would have been there among us. AMC would have revival every, every, every other day. But the Spirit of God is drawn to a people who are longing for him. Not to use him as a stepladder to accomplish their dreams. Hello? God, come because I have dreams. And when you come, you, you, nothing but open doors. He is the door. He's not the door to your dreams. He's not the door to do everything. He is the door to divine fellowship. To intimacy. To the longing of your heart. You know, I'm, I, I'm praying. I'm praying for us as a community that we would learn to respond rightly. If I'm being honest, like, we respond really well. This is not an indictment, like, we're not doing enough. But I feel like there's an invitation for us when the Spirit of God comes into the room to fully get in the river. There's a river that's flowing. And, like, as a community, I'm thankful that we're at least aware and in the river. (laughs) But there's a difference between standing on the outside and ankle deep. You could still, you can still say, I'm in the river. I'm in. You're not. You're dry. You don't have faith. We're in the river. And we can boast in this. Because at the end of the day, you're not even wet. You're still out there where it's safe. And many of us, maybe we're like knee deep. We're like, look at you, bro. Come on. Let's go deeper. I believe where God is calling us is we're 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 just gone. Very little amens because you like control. You have accepted God as Savior, but not as Lord. When God is Lord, those that are subjected to His Lordship don't get to say no. He's Lord. And it's easier for us to receive Him as Savior because, golly, who wouldn't want to be delivered from all of the garbage? Who would not want that? But to come under His Lordship requires us to go a way sometimes that we don't want to go. It requires us to give when we don't want to give. It requires us to love when we don't want to love. 
It requires us to let go of offenses. It requires us to walk in wholeness, to check our hearts. Why? Because we're coming under His Lordship. And the, why, why am I talking about poverty of spirit? The quickest way to come out of His Lordship is to become prideful at heart and to say, I got this. Read it, man. The church of Laodicea. I am rich and I am in need of nothing. But you are poor, you are wretched, you are miserable, and you're naked. That was the assessment of a people that thought, I have it all together. You're like, I don't want to hear that. This is mercy. <laughs> it's mercy. It's mercy. Because if, if, it, if it's true, it's going to ex be exposed today or before his throne. It's going to be exposed either way. And I feel like on, on Wednesday night, my spiritual father was here, and we were crying out for the return of the Lord, and I feel like we don't really believe that he's going to return soon. And like, as, as a leader, I'm responsible for letting you know it will happen when nobody thinks it's going to happen. It's going to be in a day where like, we're just going to go about our things, and then boom, it came, and there's no more time to turn. There's no more time to receive wholeness. There will be no more contending. There'll be no more pushing. Is this okay? Yes. Yeah. I want to read a couple of scriptures. John 7, 37 says, On the last day of the climax of the festival, Jesus stood, and he says, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me will drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. This is what I'm going to pray for you today. I'm not praying according to what I want. This is according to the scriptures. That rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he was saying living waters, he was speaking about the spirit who would be given. John 4, he says, whoever drinks the water I give him will never be thirsty. And indeed, I will give him a spring of water welling up with eternal life. Isaiah 55 says, come all who are thirsty, come to the waters. You, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread? And your labor on what does not satisfy. Psalm 63, I know it's like a lot, but your spirit will catch it. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you. In a dry and weary land where there is no water. In Revelation 22, there's going to be a church that is risen. It's rising. And there will be a unified cry. And the spirit and the bride will harmonize. And they will say, come. And let him who, who hears say, come. And whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take a free gift, the waters of life. Do you see it all culminating with this? That there is a hungry and a thirsty people, and the invitation is come. I'm praying for us. I pray this zealously for you, that you will not grow tired of coming. Like, man, I've been coming for years. What does that have to do with anything? I know there's going to be a day where my son's going to go through that awkward teenage stage where he doesn't want anything to do with me, but I'm not looking forward to it. And I'm going to do everything in my power to stop that from happening. Why? Because I never want him to stop coming. I never want him to stop coming. I just want, I want him to keep calm, calm, be near. And we can make this about for the sake of Tampa, but what about for the sake of you? What about for the sake of you? What about your heart? There's a stillness in the room. 
There's a stillness in the room, but it's okay. You know, every time that I preach, if I was to preach a message on faith this morning, I guarantee you this room would be full. Because the enemy has no problem with you having faith in your faith. When we start talking about dependency and being totally given to him, the enemy does everything he can to not let people come. Because it's a key. See if there's anything else I want to say. You know, as, as a leader, a lot of times you envision, there's, there's like a vision, and, and I have a vision for this. I have a vision for a day where we come into these rooms and the people are crying out so desperately for God that nobody dared touch the mic. You're like, what about the sermon? What about the sermon? The sermon was for that. Where, where people are just, there's so much hunger in the room that there's a fear of the Lord to say, we're not going to say anything. He's speaking to us right now. Amen. There's a complete submission where people move from church attenders to disciples and followers of him. We still have many, we did it today. There's a cost. There's a cost, but there's going to come a day where people stop talking about the cost because they become fully aware of what they've been given. The, co the cost. It's the treasure in the field. And many people in the church all around the world today, they're still wrestling. It's the pearl of great prize, and they're still trying to weigh out, is this really worth giving that? There's a weighing. You make eye contact all around the room. There's lots of disengagement. Because like, bro, I just want to keep living my life. I just want to keep living my life. And I'm here. You should be thankful I'm here. I'm so thankful. I'm really thankful you're here. But this is not about me. It's not about abide having you. This is about him having you. All of your heart. All of your mind. All of your soul. All of your spirit. All of who you are being consumed. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to pray. I'm going to go into a time of prayer today. Um, Desi said it during worship. You know, we'll talk about it one week, but Matthew 7, 7, he talks about asking, seeking, and knocking. Asking, it's a persistent thing. It's not like, man, on June 12th, we asked. <laughs> and then a couple of months, we're going to seek, and then we're going to knock. Well, we'll put this in the rhythm. It's a continued inviting a people, will you continue to knock? Will you continue to seek? Will you continue to ask? For what? I don't know. But for something more than this. If I'm being honest, I have, I have like a very holy dissatisfaction. It's like, it's this thing where it's like, God, we've got to have more than this. If this is the pinnacle, and some of you have come, you're like, I love this, this is incredible. But if this is the pinnacle, I don't want to give my life to it. That may sound strange, but it's just how I feel. I'm not going to read books about God moving sovereignly in other nations and not believe for it. I'll die, I'm going to live to at least 150. I'll die at 150. <laughs> believing God to move. 
Like, well, what if he doesn't? I died believing. My son was never in a service where his dad didn't go, there is more. He never relegated the move of God to five steps. He never stopped preaching all truth. God, if you can move in Wales, if you can move in Brownsville, if you can move in Azusa, if you can move, why not here and why not now? You've got to catch this. Hey, man, hey, no moving around. No moving around right now, please. Why not here? Why not now? So I want to pray. God, I believe there are people in this room that you have called to this. I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, to quicken us. To do something in our hearts, God. Father, for those that have grown weary and crying out, I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, that your, the water of your spirit would refresh their souls. For those that are dry, God, I ask, that you would fill them. We want the cry of our heart to be come, come, come. I'm asking you, Lord, to redirect the cry of the church. I feel like the cry of the church has been bigger and more, bigger, build, bigger, build. But Father, would you birth afresh, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, would you tug on hearts. Would you tug on hearts. of these hearts that haven't been tugged on in years. But Father, there's an invitation today to be resuscitated. Father, I ask, would you convict our hearts? It's not prayed a lot anymore. Would you convict our hearts? Father, fullness, poorness of spirit, spiritual hunger, fresh tears, a fresh sound, a fresh cry. Father, we, we renounce, we, we refuse to believe 
that there's not passion available for us right now like there was in the beginning. There's no one like you. There is no one like you. You're beautiful. You're majestic. You're mighty. You're faithful. You're true. You're strong. You're deliverer. You were there in the beginning and you will be there at the end. You're sovereign set apart. You're high. Give us a glimpse of who you are, God. I felt like today the Lord wanted us to invite anybody who would say, that's me, I just, I want more. I'm not inviting you into a hype moment. We want to partner with you. We want to anoint and pray over you. I really specifically felt to anoint and to pray and to come into agreement with your cry of God, would you birth more in our hearts? So I'm going to ask you as, as the worship team leads us, would you come to the altars and would you meet us as a spiritual family and say, God, we're believing you for more. You're like, can God do it in my seat? Maybe. He might could. I don't know, man. I want to go all the way. There's just, I don't want to leave any room for doubt. May we be found at the altar saying, God, we're believing you. We're believing you for, to grip us. It's not about a feeling. We're not pursuing a feeling. We're making covenant with God. beckon you to come we cry out for your coming we cry out God can we just begin to cry out father we as a spiritual family we lift up our voices and we say father on this property may we be a people who cry come empty us of all selfish ambition us God of all pursuit of trying to build our own way come on we love you produce a zeal God birth a zeal God make us aware
I really feel just this one last thing. I kept hearing during worship, even during this time, that today's the day of salvation. And I'm going to ask you to be vulnerable. I just, I feel like I would be in disobedience if I didn't make an invitation for, for maybe it's one person or multiple in the room to fully give your heart to Jesus. You're not saved unto a prayer, you're saved unto a person. And he's wanting access. And only you would know, only you would know if you've given him access. So can we just close our eyes all across the room? This is just between you and the Lord. If you're in this room and you're like, man, I haven't given the Lord full access. But you're ready to take a step in that direction. It just starts with an opening of your heart. Would you just raise up your hand in the room? Anyone else? We want to pray. It's okay. We're going to pray right now that the Lord, if you have your hand, we're just going to pray. I'm going to pray over you. Father, in Jesus' name, we declare, we come into agreement with your word that today is the day of salvation. Right here, right now. I thank you for healing and deliverance, for a breaking of strongholds, of addictions, of hindrances, God, of cycles. In Jesus' name, we ask that every person that lifted a hand, that they would have an, an encounter with the person of Jesus. God, that they would give you their whole lives, their mind, their will, their emotions, their strength, every part of who they are, that they would give you their full yes. We thank you for grace and mercy. We thank you that your love covers your love covers. Your love covers. Bless them, God. Bless them, God. Listen, we're not going to formally dismiss as the Lord leads you. I just ask you to please be respectful of those that are ministering to the Lord and allowing the Lord to touch them. You're welcome to linger. Some of you need to sit for a little bit. You're waiting for a moment. It's not about a moment. It's about allowing the Lord to get into that deep place in your heart. We love you guys.
Sorry.